0: Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by WonderMint where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl, I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward in driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. To celebrate our first episode, I brought on a special guest and someone I think you're going to learn a heck of a lot from. And that is Cameron Vice, the director of e-commerce over at Ouro Bora. We're going to take a deep dive into transactional communication today and talk about the role that it's playing in Ouroboros' overall retention strategy. So, Cameron, a big thanks for being our first guest and joining the show today. How are you? Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing great. Looking forward to chatting through things with you. Awesome. Yeah, super stoked to have you here. Before we dive into the discussion today, could you just give a brief background? Like, who is Ouroboros and what does your role look like over
1: there? Yeah, Ouroboros is a premium sparkling water made from herbs, fruits, and flowers. My role as director of e-commerce is to look at all things D2C, from our own channels of Shopify to our marketplaces like Amazon, GoPuff, et cetera, and most importantly, retention, as we'll talk about today.
0: Love it. Yeah, so much ground to cover there. I'm sure you've uh, definitely spanned it all, so you've got a really good kind of what's going on with the retention side of the house. Um, you've been super gracious to allow us to dissect that transactional communication strategy that Bora has set up. You know what it looks like, some of the strategy we'll talk about, and then the results that you're seeing and how it's really helping you to think about moving the needle forward with customer retention. So one of the many reasons I also really wanted to bring you on the show today is I, I think you're just absolutely crushing it when it comes to making a great transactional experience for the customer. That's both fun and engaging. And we'll, we'll look at why I say that in a few moments. I uh, will pull up a screen share and get under the hood. But first, I'd love to just ask you a few questions, kind of set the stage for today's discussion and um, first question for you is: Why does transactional communication matter to AuraBora? Hmm.
1: It's a good question. It's often overlooked, I think. For us, as a company trying to build a brand in a somewhat commoditized category, any opportunity that we have to inject brand tone, voice, personality, we take full advantage of it. And when we were looking through all things email and own media channels really saw an opportunity to inject some of that fun and some of that brand tone and voice into what's most likely the most boring thing that a customer gets, like your order is on the way, you know? So we really, and first and foremost, I take zero credit. I give all the amazing credit to our top-notch creative team by Maddie, our co-founder and creative director to really helping me bring these transactionals to life. But I think to answer your question directly, we just want to inject as much fun as we can and see if we can get some sort of chatter or buzz and excitement around people who have placed an order on our site and they're just impatiently waiting for their Ourobora to arrive. So we've tried to put as much fun as we can into these transactional emails.
0: I love it. And I was listening to a podcast that you did with Alex from Repeat and you had kind of talked about, um, you know, like seeing the click that was associated with these emails and really they kind of going on that sort of, you know, if there's a click here, we got to, you know, do something, we got to investigate further um, you know, like, was that some of maybe the, the, the rationale, too, of why, you know, kind of what you wanted to invest was, like, you see customers are really engaging with these messages. And, like, there's a great opportunity here to just make sure, you know,
1: that this is a, a branded experience at the end of the day for them. Yeah, I'm a self-proclaimed data nerd, right? So nothing is subjective. Try and look at all things objective and take full advantage of them. And when I'm looking through GA and I'm seeing attribution from clicks coming from post-purchase emails... Or transactional emails that kind of threw me for a loop right so two things come from that is it someone is so excited to get their Bora that they're actually checking their email every once in a while to see how that order is moving along or is it more of a search within email feature and function of hey i'm ready to reorder what's the last thing i got from Bora? because either got a campaign from us or a similar campaign from another brand, you're ready to shop. You're in that mindset and you're just searching through your last emails from Ouroboros within Mail OS or whatever it might be. So when we saw those clicks, it was an opportunity to try and take advantage of it. And the direction was really, again, to try and inject some fun, some creativity and some brand tone and voice into those otherwise pretty boring emails. Yeah,
0: they love it. I, I think, um, you know, the second point you brought up there is really interesting to folks just coming back and searching, like what do they order last and being yeah. able to to do that, you know, I do that myself with brands I shop with, and it's just a great way to be able to, um, you know, when they have that kind of paper trail, also have an email that's really engageable, too. Like, they can definitely take action and, and go back to the site, and, and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, what that experience looks like, too, I think, by like clicking on those emails. Um, but sort of to talk about now, like, with retention and transactional, like, what role does a transactional channel then play and like, how you think about retention marketing, customer experience, like, all that stuff?
1: It's huge. It's a good question to ask. And I think it's becoming more and more relevant in in today's market. And what I mean by that is the journey is only like 25% complete once someone places the order. There's so much as merchants that's in our hands and out of our hands. And we do our best to control our controllables and let all that other go, which is really hard to do. But one of the things that we can control is just over communicating with our customers. So the introduction of Wonderman into our tech stack was a night and day difference for our CX team because it allowed us to really take advantage of being proactive with our consumers in terms of your order is delayed or your order is on the way or it's stuck in pre-shipping, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And that role of CX, and I think there's a broader understanding of consumers just in the market that we're in that stuff doesn't always go to plan in terms of D2C shopping. So being able to be proactive as the brand and write an email to a customer said, hey, we noticed that your order has been delayed or it's stuck in pre-shipment based on the wonderment trigger, the feedback that we get from our customers on that, just an extra level of care, we will see that for sure pay dividends in the future, knowing that they're going to engage in the brand more, communicate with our team more, and hopefully that drives more of attention. I'm sure that we'll be able to see that data connection in a few months here."
0: Totally. Yeah, I think, the, you know, the proactive side of it, too, and, and being, you know, leading with empathy. I was talking to another Wonderman customer, Jess, uh, head of CX at Feastables, talking about similar yeah. things, too. You know, just uh, being a thousand steps ahead of your customer and being able to have those things in place. Like, those are the things that, you know, when they do get in touch with Aura Bora. you know, they've had that proactive and transparent communication. It's a totally different mindset um, than if, you know, there was no communication their order has been delayed, they have no idea what's going on. Like those are the little things I think that really at the end of the day make the big experience, um, you know, it's that much better. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, kind of on that note then, I think let's let's dive into some of these emails. Let's kind of look at a little bit cool. under the Take a look. of what, you've, uh, what you and the team have set up here. So I put together this mural board uh, I'll try my best to zoom in. And for folks who are listening to the audio of this, we'll try to paint a, a decent picture, I hope, of what these look like. Um, but you know, at a high level, I think just some of the things that really I took away immediately was just how on-brand these emails felt versus a traditional, you know, templated email we talked about and you know, some of the reasons why you've done that. Um, all the awesome imagery. I mean, how fun it is, too. Like, we got Larry David <laughs> waiting in a window here Pablo Escobar, uh, you know, from Narcos, uh, you know, eagerly awaiting his Ouroboros. And even like this one here, when the package has been, uh, delivered, you know, this woman just embracing her Ouroboros, like really telling a story. I think through these emails, um, you know, down to the subject line preview text, like your weird waters out for delivery and then completing that narrative when it's been delivered. I mean, just like the little things that I feel like, you know, really illustrate how effective, you know, like of a job yeah. you've done here, but, um, I could, I could riff for days on this, but I guess to kind of put it ball on your court, I mean, like why invest so much in the branding and the voice and all of these good things on these transactional emails? You kind of talked about it, but if any additional kind of comments around that.
1: Yeah, great question. And, and man, was it an investment. I'll tell you that time, talent, treasure went into these. When we looked at an overhaul of automation and transactional, It ended up being 20 plus emails and probably a good four to six weeks of creative revisions. And look, the overall idea of really putting the team to that was, again, looking at the opportunity of what our unique value proposition is. It's our brand and it's our flavor profile. So when we have an additional opportunity to inject that brand, make it fun, whatever it might be, that's a really important opportunity to look across the entire customer journey and see where you can take full advantage of that. The other thing that we we looked at was the opportunity to over-communicate our free shipping threshold, which is why you'll see that small banner on the top of all of these. So that was more of an e play, not necessarily driven by creative. And since we've been able to put those on these follow-up transactional emails, we've absolutely seen an attributable increase in AOV. And then for these, you see the reorder with the repeat click through rate as well. So I I think the answer to your question of like, why take the time to go through all of these is driven by that first data point. We -hmm. saw people organically coming through this funnel. We wanted the opportunity to put the most amount of fun and creative based on our brand tone and voice into any opportunity that we could. And then when we started looking at the engagement as a result of that creativity, it kind of drove more of a round two from an e perspective and a retention perspective of saying, can we actually get people to reorder from these emails? And when they do come back to the site from that creative CTA of Track Your Water, then can we upsell? Can we get an attribution, whatever it might be? So we really looked under the hood across all these opportunities and really, really driven by creative. And again, full credit to our amazing team that just took this crazy idea I had of how can we make these fun and we get what you see here.
0: Such an awesome overview. And, and really, I think the whole strategy coming together, so many great things. I think there too, it's, it's obviously all the helpful information, you know, like what's coming in that order, uh, what are the next steps, but then too, like taking it that extra mile with the creatives, um, you know, some of those different things too. Like I love this, uh, you know, button up here where they can click to reorder <laughs> that, you know, just being able to have like those simple hacks there of like, we yeah. know there's a click here. We know folks are looking at these. You mentioned even searching for that email, maybe two, two, three weeks after that order. Maybe they just click that button and go right back to you know reorder that next pack of Bora Bora. So much great stuff happening here. Um, I know you gave credit to the creative team, but uh, on the email side of setup, uh, who, who who did that? I'm curious, like like
1: we can give some credit or shout out who who did that. Absolutely, yeah. We work with a wonderful team over at Lunar Solar Group for all of our owned media channels across email and SMS. So. They're able to take these ideas to life, work through all of the integrations and the nightmares of coding these things correctly and making them look beautiful from these Figma files from the creative team. Yeah, big shout out to Lunar Solar Group. They've been able to be instrumental in helping us bring these alive. Yeah, big shout out to Lunar Solar. I know they always produce the best work, you know, in the space. So
0: big, big shout out to them and the team. Um, I know a lot of great emails here. We could, you know, poke into each of these, but is there like one that really stands out to you or that? Um, you feel like is the most helpful of all of these emails. Obviously, they all provide a lot of value, but just curious yeah. if you
1: have a favorite email in here. It's probably that second one, right? The Wonderman trigger of your water's been picked up. <clears throat> I think, in terms of the cadence of post purchase transactionals, this has been the most impactful because this allows our CX team and the customer to have one extra touch point of communication on how their order is being processed that we did not have prior to adding Wonderment to the tech stack, That's been really, really crucial. I think also it just sets the precedent for the rest of the emails that you're going to get from Ouro Bora in terms of this fun, meme-driven, creative culture that we drive with our consumers. So I think it's just a great one to set the precedent as well. But that one has been absolutely instrumental and something that was absent from, from our entire flow, without the Wonderment trigger. Such a powerful email here. Yeah, I think you said it best. It kind of kicks off that journey It adds that extra touch
0: point and really sets the stage that they're going to get these updates throughout the the shipping journey. Um, I mean, the copy on this email is fantastic too. You know, talking about how carburetors are going to deliver, Uh, you know, it's just fun and such a great example, I think, of how these emails can be so effective. Um, So you mentioned the click. And so if I click on track your water, I'm taken to this whole experience down here, which I've outlined is branded tracking page, which I love the setup that you've done here. Um, I'm curious if you can talk about now. So I always think of the tracking page as like the glue for the transactional experience, Mm -hmm. a lot of ways of getting them back to that site. But how important is it for you, you know, as a director of e-com to have the customer go to your website and not a shipping
1: carrier like a USPS, a FedEx, DHL, Um, just talking through that kind of importance? Hugely impactful, and and I'll say it again because it's worth repeating, but any time that we can inject brand into any click, any landing page, any experience, it's worth its weight in gold, especially for us in, in terms of our brand positioning statement. I think the other thing, too, is just getting someone to the site allows for a couple of interesting things. One, it makes it a lot easier for them to contact us should they need it. So if you're in here, you see that it's delayed, it's going to the wrong address, whatever it might be. our CX team. So we make it quite easy. It's just a drop-down hamburger menu. You can reach out to us directly from here. Mm-hmm. Second, we've seen sales from this upsell and these product cards here. So even if it's a, the end of that journey and the customers here to confirm delivery, we launch limited edition flavors quite frequently. And we'll see clicks from this page into a purchase of those if someone is looking at their subscription order, delivery, or a one-time purchase. So we're seeing a lot of this connective tissue glue thing that you brought to the conversation. We're seeing a lot of that from this particular page, right? It allows us to what would normally be the end of the customer journey, open up another avenue for them to engage with the brand.
0: Love it. Yeah, there's a few things you touched on there. You know, it's the helpful information, it's the ability to you know, look at those other products that they might want to add to their cart. I know LTOs is a big part of the Oribor strategy and to be able to have things placed there for real estate. Like this is just such prime real estate, I think for them to, you know, yeah. get in touch, see other products, get information on their order, all the above, really. Um, to kind of pull things back a little bit, I, you've talked a lot about like just generally, you know, some of the the impact that this has had, but like what sort of results have you have you seen with this transactional setup? Yeah. Like, you know, like you can you paint it in broad strokes, like maybe like some of the customer experience or revenue impacts. Like, what have been some of those kind of takeaways for you?
1: Yeah, in terms of objective takeaways, I mean, the amount of tickets that we receive around where is my order or anything related drastically down. So that's a huge help to our CX team. The customer experience has, of course, improved like I mentioned earlier, being able to be proactive with our customers and say, hey, we've identified that there's an issue, so we're reaching out before they know, that certainly we've got responses from our customers that say, hey, as a result of that, I'll for sure be coming back and placing an order on the website as a result of that amazing customer service. And I think lastly, it's just the brand affinity and the brand awareness and continuing to grow the brand tone and brand voice, and then setting the expectation that consumers are going to see this across the entire communication funnel and setting that up for success for other opportunities and other channels.
0: So, so impactful. I think, yeah, I mean, all those things, you know, kind of that compounding effect, you know, leading with the value of these emails, the helpfulness, but like so much of the things that you put into them, have all those different kind of things that we've really talked about, I think throughout you know, kind of this discussion of like uh, the why I think behind investing in this. So um, I'm curious to kind of ask you too, like around this, I think one of the questions we always get from other merchants about with transactional and orchestration, like other things in the background, are there any other post-purchase communications happening with customers during this time? Or is like the focus once I click the buy button until it hits my door, is it just these transactional messages?
1: Yeah, it's a good question to ask. We had some other things in this particular, this is usually a three to seven day journey, depending on where you are, but we have isolated to just these wonderment triggers in this part of the journey. So I think another thing to add to this conversation is not necessarily what the consumer gets out of this particular set of emails, but what we as the merchant get and the value of the wonderment triggers. And one of the things that we've seen hugely impactful is our retention plays around review capture and timing that trigger from the wonderment it's been delivered, and that particular email that you see for uh, your items are have arrived, rather than trying to A/B test timing deliveries from say a Shopify trigger of order has been placed or order is on the way. We rely heavily on the tech that you have all you all have created. To really set a series of events after that that order has been delivered so the answer to your question is no we used to inject a lot between your order has been placed to your order has been delivered we cleaned it up to these four or five and then we do a lot of work after that has been delivered yeah
0: i love that i think that's such a great call out too the you know triggering the review request on when it's been delivered and not having to play that guessing game um, right. I came up in this space as an email marketer uh, you know back in the uh, like mid 2010s and I remember you know just having to play that guessing game and hoping that it arrived and, and you know sometimes it didn't and, and that creates frustration and, and ticket requests off of like that and angry emails and all that stuff. So to be
1: able to do that, uh, such an easy win, but really impactful when you think about orchestration. Yeah, hugely impactful. I think it just injects a lot of trust both for us as a merchant and the customer that they're receiving the right communication at the right time. And when you look at automation, that's the key to success, right? If you're getting a review request two days after you got it, and it's an item that should last you between seven and 10 days, you're a little bit early to the game. If it comes too late, um, then we're in the same position. So being able to time these things out based on those one and triggers has been hugely impactful for our retention efforts. Absolutely. Right
0: message, right time, and being able to kind of look at that intelligently and, yeah. and have that, yeah, I think it's uh, such a such a great call out there. To kind of tie a bow on the last kind of bit of his discussion, I think is around shipping delays. I'd love to kind of just kind of take the conversation in that direction. I know you talked a lot about it, you know, the earlier kind of stage of his conversation, but I know this is a theme that a lot of merchants are tackling right now. Yeah. You know, we're headed into Q4 here. I'm sure there will be potential delays, <laughs> you know, implement weather and, and all yeah. of these things. I often say how a brand chooses to communicate or not is one of the biggest drivers of whether a customer comes back again after a potentially you know, negative experience. Um, and I know that you have some really cool strategies in place. So I just kind of love to dive into some of those. Um, how is Ora Bora kind of thinking about you know, some of these shipping delay communications and, and what do you have set up uh, kind
1: of in the way of that? Yeah, great question. So we're impacted by two things. One, we partner with one of the largest 3PLs in the CPG space. So they are transacting thousands of orders a day. And what often happens is that a carrier will arrive to that 3PL. They'll put everything on the truck, but they won't necessarily scan everything that's going on the truck. We'll call it human error and we'll leave it at that. But what that happens is we're seeing the item go through the supply chain, but the customer is not because everything starts with that your item has been scanned, right? So this one for us going back to being able to be proactive with our consumers, hugely impactful because we're looking at the wonderment triggers of your order has been delayed. Our team can go and do that investigation before we reach out to the customer. So the customer gets this is like, okay, well then we're really testing the waters on what level of patience that customer has that day. But if we can proactively reach out and we can proactively reach out with a resolution, we can identify it's in pre-shipment, weather delay, like you mentioned, whatever it is, that extra level of customer service has, we've seen the subjective part of that and the positive feedback from our consumer base. The other thing that we're impacted by is damage. You know, we signed up for shipping up-cycled thin aluminum cans around the country and we face a lot of damage it's just part of our world if something gets there on time and without damage we have celebrations (laughs) here internally as the dsc team so outside of that stuck in pre-shipment we deal with a lot of damage and often when we see a wonderment trigger that is identified as has been delayed it's because the carrier has taken that out of the supply chain because it's been damaged and Without our proactive look into that, it might end right there. Sure. But we have the insight to be able to, again, over-communicate to the customer, hey, we noticed that your order was damaged. We're reaching out to you to let you know we've already taken care of it, and we've reshipped that order. And that level of customer service of going above and beyond of not only identifying the issue but providing the solution all in that same communication Leave some bounds above the rest. So those two things coming from this particular trigger, hugely beneficial for our CX team.
0: So impactful. Yeah, it's the, obviously the external communication, getting ahead of it with the customer, but then being able to take action internally and and know what that logical next step is. It's just, yeah. um, you know, I, I keep quoting Jess from Feastables, but it's the thousand steps ahead kind of mentality. It's like <laughs> being able to, to have that, uh, you know, that insight into both sides of it. So, so impactful. Um, yep. As you kind of think about the overall impact that shipping delay notifications and getting ahead of that kind of has had on the CX and, and you know, just general retention, like, are there, has there been a reduction in like tickets as a result of implementing this? Do you Mm -hmm. find that customers are still reaching out, but, you know, maybe they just have more information at their hands? Like what have been some of the results that you really have seen then from implementing some of these proactive um, delay
1: notifications then? I think it's just an overall better customer service experience. So I think that our post-customer service experience surveys are showing the numbers that would validate that. I wish that we could have a better solve for the reasons why we're seeing that trigger stuck in pre shipment or damage on the way. That's just the nature of being a D2C-driven business. Sure. But I think that the impact... And what we're seeing is to provide the best customer service experience possible for something that's outside of our control. And for us to again, be proactive, provide the reason for the issue and the resolution all in one piece of communication before the customer sees. I think that just goes above and beyond what people expect these days for customer service. So we've had and received a lot of positive feedback as a result of that. We see that in our customer satisfaction surveys and we see that even on our product surveys of, hey, I only bought this because Kirsty, our amazing CX manager and her level of customer service. So I'll be back again. You know, those kinds of subjective pieces of feedback. So not necessarily something that we can really hone in on and attribute to an objectable uh, KPI or particular thing that we're looking at, but overall we see that it's absolutely impacted having a better customer service experience. Dude, I love it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the
0: the... Thing about retention that's also like kind of hard to explain is like there are some of those indirect things that will influence, you know, someone coming back and yeah. multi-touch kind of spider web that we have of uh, different experiences and, and touch points and all these different things all play that larger role. So that yeah. was one of my biggest takeaways is just this has really allowed you to get a closer, you know, level of communication with your customers, get ahead of things, just make the business just better for it in, in all sorts of different ways. As we you'll wrap up, Cameron, what's next for Board and the transactional channel? <laughs> Anything else in the works here? Like
1: what's uh, what's going on next? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity for us in transactionals to find another way or another opportunity to inject confidence and, in, again, things that we can't control. So the damage piece for us is, is big. Um, being able to look under the hood and see how we can be proactive through that. Not quite sure what that solve is, but that's what we're looking through in terms of transactional things. In terms of what's next for the brand, a lot. Um, We're looking to scale significantly next year and D2C is a big part of that. And as a result, CX and retention is a a big chunk of that, that forecast for next year. So we're setting a goal to double the amount of returning customer revenue in 2023 than we saw in 2022 transactional emails like this rewards programs loyalty referral subscription all of those things are going to drive that growth so transactional retention cx related emails and communication is going to be really key to being able to, to hit that kpi
0: i can't wait to you know hear all the awesome success that's going to happen yeah. in 2023 so much so much great stuff in the works there um, really excited. This was an awesome, you know, just way to kind of learn more about, you know, I think what you're up to and kind of how you think about this kind of retention and transactional kind of intersection. Where can our audience go to
1: purchase some Ouro Bora for themselves? I'm a little thirsty myself after yeah. talking about Ouroboros. So where can we go? Yeah, super easy. If you've not tried Ouroboros, go to orabora.com. We offer 15% off for your first order. And then if you're an Amazon shopper, like half of the world is, you can find this on Amazon as well with an 18-pack with a lower price per can. So Orabore.com and Amazon, best places to go for you come. What's, uh, what's your favorite flavor right now, I got to ask? Right now, probably the one that's coming out in a couple of weeks. So a little teaser, we got a, our, our version of a Starbucks PSL coming to market. So we're excited to introduce a seasonal flavor for this upcoming fall. My wife would be very happy to hear
0: that. (laughs) We'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Love it. Hey, well, that concludes this episode. But Cameron, just really wanted to say again, thank you so much for sharing so much information. It was a pleasure to have you on as our first guest. We'll definitely have to have you back on and talk about some of those wins that you see in uh, in 2023 as well. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me, Link. Well, there you have it. That was our first episode of Thank You, Come Again. I certainly learned a heck of a lot from talking to Cameron. I hope he did as well. I just wanted to recap a few of my kind of core takeaways from this discussion. Cameron talked a lot about using a strong data-driven approach to really optimizing their customer experience. Uh, this idea that the customer journey really is only 25% done when they make that purchase, and there's so much room then to really optimize and own. And I think that's where the transactional channel really kind of comes into play here and why they've invested you know, so much In the transactional channel is it really helps to benefit their core business goal of you know injecting the brand as much as possible into every click every landing page email you know any experience in general and being able to curate that for the customer and i think that's really one of the big takeaways the transactional channel has done is really to help elevate the customer experience some cool things that i thought they were doing on the transactional email and landing page side of the house Um, you know, being able to not only communicate all but helpful order information and proactively communicate things but I thought it was really clever how they were using the emails to display ways to easily reorder um, on the top of the email banner, you know, having click here to make your, you know, to re- uh, reorder what you had in your cart last. And then also, um, he, I'll talk about another thing he was doing on some of those emails about communicating the shipping threshold and how that's helped to actually increase average order values. You know, obviously customers are checking these emails and throughout that journey being reminded, hey, spend X to get free shipping. Such a really uh, you know, intelligent way to display and use, it, uh, use that email as great real estate to promote you know, what you want the customer to see. Um, and then on the tracking page side of the house too, you know, using the tracking page to introduce some of those limited time offer products, plug subscriptions, and then also you know, just give customers an easy way to reach out to Ouro Bora. Moving over to shipping delays, I thought it was really great how Bora was not only using, you know, Wonderment to communicate these delays with the customer, but they were also using it to really help to inform their CX team about these delays, to learn about them as soon as they're reported. And so then the CX team can investigate that you know, come to the customer with a resolution, and then be able to communicate all of that in one email, it really kind of speeds up the process, but also really helps when they do kind of have that reach out point, that they have information and a resolution in hand for the customer. I think this is a big CX differentiator for Bora. and Cameron talked a lot about that, you know, being in this sort of commoditized space, CX is a big driver for retention for them. So there you have it. Those are my takeaways from this discussion. I learned a heck of a lot
1: Hope you did as well, and we'll see you all really soon for another episode of Thank You, Come Again.